time has come. It's finally here. The game that's, you know, a month into the season that everybody's been waiting for. The whiteout against Ohio State. Tyler Donahue with us after sitting in 45 minutes of traffic on the way to my house. Uh, it's good to see you in person this time. I'm Sean Fitz with the Lions 24-7 podcast. We will get rolling, talking Buckeyes, talking recruiting. Going to have Steve Wiltfong on the show a little bit later. Definitely a lot packed into this episode. We're trying to get it up as early as possible because we know there's a lot of people traveling to this game. Yeah, if my trip over here just across State College was any indication, uh, we're in for some traffic this week, and uh, but for a good cause because College Game Day is here. The set is being constructed or is already constructed at this point down at Old Main, and uh, big time football game at Beaver Stadium Friday night, and one that, as you mentioned, no no lost respect to the last four opponents, but this is the one we've all had circled. Yeah, man, it's a huge weekend. I think the Heisman House I saw set up beside Pagula. Mike Motti's going to be there. Could Johnna Carter. Um, yeah, it's going to be a huge, huge weekend. And, you know, I think Penn State's hoping they can give their fans something to cheer about. Uh, obviously, the Buckeyes come to town very um, well-respected. Um, and we talked about this in the pod uh, earlier this week. Maybe not as good as people think. Or, you know, there's some holes in that defense. And, and Penn State, the way that they're built, the, the the big play offense, you've got the veteran quarterback. I mean, they've certainly, this is no this is no rollover. I mean, Penn State's got a real shot. I found the juxtaposition a little interesting where People have really said Penn State is reloading. They've lost all this talent. Ohio State lost a lot of talent every year, and they did it again this year. The difference is I think there's more of a national benefit of the doubt given to Ohio State. They've lost three Big Ten games since 2012. Um, But Penn State right now is at that point where this game can be the turning the corner where they really start to show we can reload, we can balance the youth movement, and we can win big games while we're doing it. But, of course, it's put up or shut up time for both programs. And, um, you know, I'm anticipating another close one. That's what we've come to expect in this series lately. Yeah, four games in. I got some questions from Alex Gleitman at, at Bucknuts, and Alex is a, a good friend of ours. Um, he asked me about the departures of Saquon Barkley, of Mike Kosicki, and of Joe Moorhead and says, which one's had the biggest impact so far? And I'm thinking – the offense is scoring 55 points a game. Miles Sanders, Big Ten Player of the Week. And then the tight ends, as we mentioned, they're not Mike Kosicki, but they're, they're, they're definitely different. There's not that big of a drop-off as I think the national media would expect. It's a great point. And, uh, you know, I had a conversation with someone in Florida today uh, earlier this week on the radio, and they said, has – Penn State found a way to, to replace Saquon Barkley. Yeah, his name's Miles Sanders. He's averaging seven yards per carry. I think people will catch on to that, but I'm with you. They're 50 points in three straight games, 60 points back-to-back weeks, and they're still not at 100% on offensive efficiency. Um, obviously, it's actually the you know the lower stars that were on that defense, guys that weren't drafted high, guys that were signed as undrafted free agents, the Jason Gabindas, uh, you know, the entire secondary. I think that's more where we're you know looking here four weeks in is is you know those players that were not you know the national names that some of those offensive guys were but you're filling those holes more week five yeah that was my I think that was the point that I was I was kind of angling at and I'm glad you picked up on that I think a lot of Penn State fans will give a lot for Jason Cabinda in the lineup this week and you know he's limited athletically but still good he made the tackles when you needed to but yeah uh, that so much of this is going to fall on that defense and, and Dwayne Haskins is going to come in for Ohio State his first First, you know, away start. They had the neutral start against TCU, which is, as I mentioned, you know, probably some of that shine was taken off that win by Texas last week. But it's uh, it's certainly an opportunity for Penn State to get a little bit more pressure based on the atmosphere. And and you, and you mentioned the Michigan game, or you, we were talking offline, and you mentioned the Michigan game that he played in last year, and they scored a couple touchdowns while he was in. 
probably a little bit more than than than, than is to be seen there. So if you get to Haskins, um, if, if you tackle, which you know we break it down some simply here, if you tackle, you got a shot, and you got to keep the keep that offense off the field. I'm not going to lie, Dwayne Haskins was maybe one of my yeah you know, one of my top two or three quarterbacks in that 2016 recruiting class. Oh, a big good. fan of his coming really out of good. high school, and yeah. you know you wonder if he had gone to Maryland, where how much he would have already produced for them. Maybe he would have gotten hurt, which is what the Maryland quarterbacks have done lately. But he ends up at Ohio State. You know, waits his turn, and here he is ascending on the Heisman Trophy conversation. But I think I'm surprised the national narrative hasn't focused in more about the test that Dwayne Haskins faces. Uh, you mentioned him playing in Michigan, coming in for the, in the third quarter for JT Barrett last year. Yes, they won under his watch. They scored a couple touchdowns to go up. Uh, but as I talked to you before the podcast, on those two drives, he attempted two passes. He completed one of them. So it's not like he was wheeling and dealing and sending his team. He didn't he didn't run the ball effectively in that game. Um, so this will be a different beast for him. You know, James Franklin called for it earlier this week at this press conference, the most challenging environment in college football, not in 2018, but in history. And something tells me these fans are going to do their best to live up to the task. Well, it's a long day of tailgating, so they'll, they'll get a shot to do that. Um, but yeah, I think pressure is is probably one of the top things. And we've got our, our rundown here, and we're going to jump all over the place probably. But the lack of pressure last year against Ohio State, let JT Barrett do his thing. Barrett, not a good thrower, but just was so on point last year against Penn State, led them for that comeback victory in the horseshoe and then the following uh the following loss to michigan state when you couldn't get to to lewerke i mean that that's going to be the thing i mean sharif miller is going to have so much on his shoulders this weekend yeter gross matos um you know we saw shane simmons at practice this week not sure that you're going to get a ton out of him but still having his presence there to take a couple snaps would be a good thing and and a guy like shaka tony who can be that that situational guy can get to the quarterback i think there's so much pressure on these defensive ends this game they've got an opportunity because you know a High State's offensive line is not infallible. I mean, this is this is a group that uh, you know has given up pressure, and and when there's pressure, Dwayne Haskins has, has rushed things at times. But uh, you, you look at a matchup like Sharif Miller if he's going to go across from Thayer Munford. I mean, Thayer Munford's a young guy, a talented guy. He's got a good future ahead of him, but still not quite there. Um, Isaiah Prince on the other side. Um, you know, Penn State's got an opportunity here with its defensive ends, as talented as we as we think they are, and I think we we know they are. They've got an opportunity if they consistently put pressure on that they could change this game drastically and when folks think about urban meyer ohio state offenses and they conjure up the image i think they're going to get a little bit of a surprise if they haven't watched the buckeyes this year dwayne haskins we've heard it from penn state players this week i think franklin referenced it in his press conference he is not the mobile threat the guy who's going to you know be a hundred yard threat yeah. on the ground check, like, check your stereotypes at the door he's, right. he's not going to be the mobile threat and jt barrett was that i mean jt barrett could scramble he could pick up huge yards but what dwayne haskins does differently than barrett and, and players again on penn state State side didn't hold back. He's a better passer. He's a more accurate passer. He can he can sling the ball so well. So I think if you're in a situation where you're have to, having to invest repeatedly, a linebacker, a safety, and to apply pressure, you're putting yourself in a precarious situation because that's where you can beat you over the top and in a way that JT Barrett wasn't necessarily capable of doing. Yeah, it's a, it's a different way. I mean, I think he, both guys could deflate you. Barrett could take off and move the sticks on third and 12 or something like that. Haskins can put a ball pretty much wherever he wants, and he's a really accurate passer. So – 
they can deflate you in those sort of things and, and keep that offense on the field, which we talked about is going to be so key. Um, you know, on Penn State's end, you know, linebackers have not been there this year. I mean, it's not sugarcoated at all. They've been bad at times, very bad at times. But, yeah, they're going to have to settle in. They're going to have to tackle well right away, get a little bit of support. I think Garrett Taylor's really played much better in the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and so that'll that'll be helpful. But so much pressure on those linebackers this week. This can't be the let's survive to the second half and figure it out at halftime game. You right. can't pull that off against Ohio State, against an Urban Meyer team. It's just it's not going to work out for Penn State. What they're going to need to do is, is play buttoned-up defense from the get-go. And, and linebackers, it's going to start there. I mean, we're going to know pretty quickly um, if those guys are trailing on plays, if those guys are looking lost like we've seen at times. Um, you know, they can't have one of those bad stretches early. I think we're going to learn a lot about where this game is going to go and maybe how many points Penn State might need to score uh, within the first few stereo series that Ohio State's put together. There's going to be a lot of points, I think. I think we both agree with that. I think yeah. we looked at all the predictions and everybody's got 40s to 30s or 30s to 30s or even some 40s to 40s, but that, that's the way these two teams are built. I mean, there's there's definite holes in both defenses. You look at the safety opposite Jordan Fuller, not sure who Ohio State's going to run out there at this point, but they're prone to giving up big plays there. Uh, Ohio State's linebackers, for as much as you know, we're on our boards at, at Alliance 24-7, as much as our people bitch and complain about Penn State's linebackers, Ohio State's linebackers are, are getting a lot of feedback, similar feedback on, on Bucknuts on Ohio State's uh, boards. So uh, it would be interesting to see where that falls in terms of the intermediate passing game. And, and you know you've got guys, you've got guys on the outside. You know, DeAndre Tompkins can turn a short gain into a long gain. Paris Campbell on the other side is probably even better at that. He can turn a short gain into, into anything because he's really fast. But it's going to be really interesting to see, I think, in a passing defense sort of think how well these linebackers can move not only toward the quarterback but also to drop in their zones I think that's been one of the biggest disappointments on both sides of this game so far yeah I think Urban Meyer was surprised to get a question earlier this week about his linebackers starting linebackers not recording a tackle against Tulane it was a 49 to 6 win but still pretty interesting stat there Um, I think ultimately what you're going to see Ohio State try to do is get away with applying pressure with the front four and and see where that gets them you know they're going to want to get in McSorley's face they're going to want to get in that backfield they really excelled at that, uh, you know, throughout the second half. Really, the most of the game last year. Penn State's up 18 points, Sean. If you can get some kind of sustained run game going, you're going to be able to close the door on the Buckeyes. They couldn't. They didn't come close to it. That sets you up in second and long. I think the phrase that James Franklin likes to use is staying on schedule. They're going to need to get three-yard gains instead of three-yard losses to set themselves up for more manageable second and third downs. And then, yes, attack the intermediate, which is, I think, again, where Juwan Johnson could potentially come into play. Yeah, Juwan, you know, we've talked about him probably way too much on the podcast I mean it's been it's been something that I think we've hit on every episode but yeah I mean he's not your typical 6-4 run as far as you can throw it as high as you can and and see what can happen I mean he he's pretty much a possession receiver at this point and that's fine that's what he is but yeah you're gonna have to go to him across the middle we saw some some little dig routes and things like that from him last week and I think he I think he'll be fine I think he is key in this game and I think he has breakout potential in this game yeah story up on and we say that every week I think breakout potential with Juwan Johnson because that's how special of a talent he is. But uh, story up on lines 24-7 right now about you know, Juwan Johnson trying to turn that corner. He's confident that he maybe did that last week in the Big Ten opener. It was his first touchdown in almost a full calendar year. Uh, David Corley, a wide receivers coach for Penn State, saying they're going to need to count on Juwan more and more as the season goes on. And this will be a great start for him. I mean, uh, you know, this is the, the situation where, again, I talked about, you know, you, you can't have shortcomings in so many areas. And you mentioned this. This one, you can't have the drops. You can't have the drops. You can't have the lack of assertiveness. And this isn't just for Juwan Johnson, but there's going to be 
be contested passes. These guys are all athletes on the football field. You're not going to get away with anything against this Ohio State uh, you know, cornerback tandem, uh, whoever they're going to throw out there. I think there's an opportunity um, if you see assertiveness early to say Jawan Johnson could get rolling. But again, if, if, if we don't see him get rolling early, I'm a little concerned that that might set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah, and I think one thing that we talked about really early in the season, um, the, the wide receiver blocking was not good against Appalachian State. I think it's progressively gotten better, and I think that can be a, sort of an overlooked aspect of things this week because when you're breaking big plays, those guys at the next level need to do their job to spring them into touchdowns. So I think that can be something on both sides of the ball that uh, is probably going to be overlooked, but is going to be really key for these guys. Uh, you mentioned leaning on, on Juwan Johnson. Penn State's going to lean a lot on Miles Sanders. And unfortunately, this week, the news came out, Mark Allen going to be out for the year with an injury. Unfortunate because, you know, he's just fun to watch. I mean, he was a spark plug guy, a glue, a glue guy. Well, I knew I was going to mess that up. A glue guy for Penn State in the locker room. And he's still going to be around the team and everything. But not having him out there sort of exposes Ricky Slade to, to more second team reps. You're probably going to see Jonathan Thomas, maybe Journey Brown as well. But I think what it means is a lot more Miles Sanders. Yeah, and I mean, Miles Sanders so far has been up to the task. He's done what they've asked. Uh, one thing that he's really quickly uh, progressed on is is, a, is avoiding that temptation to bounce the ball outside, a la uh, Saquon Barkley, and just take what it, what he can get, fall forward, pick up those chunks, as I said, setting up second and seven yeah, instead and, of second and 13. And you mentioned the running game last year at Ohio State state when it just kind of crumbled and they didn't get anywhere i think there's a lot more confidence in the running game right now you know if you're in that situation this year you're feeling a lot better about that offensive line you're feeling a lot better about miles sanders just kind of plugging it up in there and taking what he can get um so i mean if you find yourself in that situation with sanders you, you i think you're nothing against barkley and we'll never hold anything against saquon barkley so good but you know, Miles Sanders is—he's just going to take what he take what he is given. And Ryan Bates, left tackle for Penn State, this will be his third whiteout game that'll start in. You know, he knows what what was left on the field at Ohio State just about as well as anybody because he had to exit that game, and that really changed the complexion for that offensive front when he had to leave. They had to shuffle some things around. Um, he says, you know, he has unfinished business, and he also said this offensive line, at least since he's gotten on campus, it's it's easily you know the best that they've oh, produced. Nice and I think <laughs> that's what you've heard from Franklin. We've heard it from Ricky Ronnie. We've heard it from. Line Grover throughout the year. That was the expectation. They're fulfilling that. Uh, but going back to this running back group real quick, Sean, Ricky Slade, what an opportunity for him this Saturday, I think, to really put himself on the map. He has scored three touchdowns on his last 11 touches since those two fumbles against Pitt. With Mark Allen gone, uh, I have to imagine Mark Allen's going to be in his, his ear a lot right now. He's going to probably take it upon himself to make sure Ricky Slade uh, you know, fulfills that number two role and, and does it to the best of his ability. And that's a great resource for Ricky, but ultimately it's going to come down to what he can do in that spotlight with the ball in his hands. Yeah, there's going to be a step stool out there for Mark Allen to get in a lot of people's ears this weekend, I'm sure. Uh, defensively, I, I, I've got a couple guys circled here. Amani Oriwari, Tariq Castrofields. We, we talked about the bad game that John Reed had against Illinois, and I don't think that's any secret or whatsoever, but I think these guys are going to be certainly key. Um, you can get your hands, the, the, they've shown they can get their hands on the football. Amani's come down with picks. Tariq Castrofield should have had a pick last week, but they can be, you know, they can change the game real fast. And, and at the same time, time you know they've been susceptible to be getting beat especially Amani so I think these are key guys I'm not saying that they're going to be excel your player of the games or anything like that but these are going to be key guys just to, to to keep Ohio State in front of them and with a couple of new safeties back there you got to lean on veterans like this and 
Castro Fields is a sophomore, but you know veterans like that have played a lot of football for you. And and really quickly, it's they're not just the guys that you you, you hope play well. You kind of need them. You need those two to play well because oh, we're yeah. still not sure what John Reed's all about here in 2018. We're not sure where things stand with Donovan Johnson uh, from a health standpoint. And then beyond that, you know Zach McPherson. Guys are just more untested beyond those two. I think Tariq Castro Fields has the attitude you look for in this kind of game. I think Amani is playing at a very very high level. Um, but this is a challenging wide receiver group. And, and unlike in years past, they've got an extremely accurate quarterback. And it's funny to keep saying that because JT Barrett really torched Penn State through the air down the final stretch in that game last year. But this wide receiver group has been pretty hit or miss over the past few years. A bunch of top recruits coming in, not necessarily living up to the hype, but they have so much of the talent. And I think this is a year where you're really seeing that show because the vertical game is at a different level for the Buckeyes. Yeah, absolutely. And Dwayne Haskins can throw the ball wherever he wants, as, as we mentioned. So uh, flipping it over to the other side, uh, Nick Bosa being out is just it's not a killer for Ohio State, but nobody's going to step into those shoes and replace him. No one guy's going to step into those shoes and replace him. I think Bosa has hurt some quarterbacks this year, and uh, uh, I think you know if you're Trace McSorley, he's not going to say it, but it's pretty good to look across and not see him on the other def- uh, on the other line. Yeah, I mean preseason All American for a reason. He was well on his way to, to probably achieving that status, uh, you know, through the early stages of this year. Um, and this is a guy who, who's just been so productive since he set foot on campus as a five star recruit. And for him not to be out there, I know that Ohio State has a stockpile of talent. That's what these kind of uh, con- perennial title contenders have the advantage of is because they can go and, and dig into the well and pull out another former five star. So star, stars matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, stars do matter, Sean. Yeah. Uh, and, but I think Nick Bosa. I mean, I'm a I'm a big believer in in what Chase Young can accomplish during his college career. I really liked him coming out of high school. But Bosa was just the tone setter. And and so I think that's what you're going to look for when this defensive front goes through some adversity against Penn State. I feel like Nick Bosa is the guy who can clamp that down and get everybody on track. I I can't pretend that I know the Ohio State personalities enough to say there's not a guy who can do that. But I think that's also a disadvantage of not having Bosa out there because he is that mental and and, and emotional leader for them. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to slide it down the line. Draymond Jones is special is has been playing as well as any defensive line the defensive lineman in the in the Big Ten conference I mean it's going to be a big test for you know if he lines up head up of Steven Gonzalez I, I think you know you kind of like that matchup if you're Penn State because that's beef on beef I mean there's two really good players going at it you move him down to, to play against Michael Mennett or even Connor McGovern who struggled at times this year um, that's going to be one that's probably going to swing in the Buckeyes favor so you got to account for that guy on every snap he's he's really good yeah and, and we need without both so this is a team now ranks fifth in the FBS uh, in sacks. They're 18 in tackles for loss, and, and Draymond Jones a huge part of that. Six tackles for loss, three sacks. He returned a touchdown for an, inter- or an interception for a touchdown at TCU, and he is definitely an issue. Uh, major challenge for Michael Mennett, who I think we both agree is coming off of his best game um, of the young season, and, and of course the interior linemen together down there. Uh, Draymond Jones is, is just a wrecking ball, and, and I think it's going to be interesting to see earlier if he's able to, to make an impact because we saw Penn State go up against a very, very challenging Michigan defensive front in the whiteout last year. And they did a great job really establishing themselves early and avoiding those guys. And it, and it helped them, uh, you know, move forward with a nice win. But it's going to be interesting. Bosa's out, but do not believe that, that they are lacking for talent. Yeah, on the flip side, I think it's the same thing you can say about uh, the offensive line. I mean, uh, Ohio State's offensive line, you know, we're always used to them being dominant, essentially. Um, they're, they're not. I mean, they're, and they're not bad. I mean, I don't think there's any any question that there's talent up there or anything like that. Don't think they've gelled yet. I, I don't think. 
I think a lot of people not quite sold on them as a as a national championship caliber offensive line going to break in a new center. Um, so I, I think that's where you've got to hit it if you're Penn State. I mean, Penn State's defensive line has been carved up at times when they've kept those guys in front of them and have not tried to get too far upfield. I think that I think that's key for the Penn State defensive line. Just try not to do too much. You know, it's, if you keep those guys in front of you, you don't expose those linebackers. As we said before, those linebackers have really struggled getting off blocks and that doesn't matter who you are. I mean, it could be, could be Brown, could be Ellis Brooks, you know, it could be Jan Johnson or whatnot. But I mean, it's, it, it's certainly a situation where it, if Penn State can control the line of sermon, not necessarily, you know, be a, get a, get a huge push or anything like that, but if they can hold their own on the defensive line, I mean, that's going to free up tacklers and you get, get as many shirts with the ball as you can. J.K. Dobbins, Mike Weber, I mean, they, they obviously present a lot of issues out of the backfield, and, and it sounds like Weber's going to be a go. There was some concern there, but Meyer's saying he'll, he'll be expecting to play. Um, ultimately, though, I, I think what, what they've run into issues early in the season when they're getting gashed on the ground, it's not so much they're getting bullied and, and shoved on the ground. A lot of times it's over-pursued, uh, you know, not, not gap integrity isn't there and and I think you know that's what you say play within yourself do your job on that given play don't try to be the flash play guy because again I think this game is all about getting to third down I don't know if we're going to see a ton of third down situations because both these offenses can pick up yards and chunks but I think it's all about just getting to the point where you can get that turnover on downs or get a punt because I like we said a lot of points so any defensive stop is going to have great meaning in this game yeah exactly and I have some themes here for both teams that you can really lean on and I think uh, we'll start at the punters. I mean, you know I love punters, and I love me some Blake Gillikin, but Drew Crispin's really, really good, too. I mean, this is going to be, if this comes down to a field position game, which you're not sure if it will or not, because the, these defenses are going to have trouble slowing these offenses, I mean, those those are two guys that, that you want the ball, I guess, at their foot, in their hand, whatever, to, to, to sort of swing the field your way. Yeah, and, and like we said on the earlier podcast this week, you know whether it's K.J. Hamler, DeAndre Tompkins, a major production out of that punt returner spot. Uh, this is an issue, though, on special teams, just like in every facet of this game, there's going to be more athletes on the field, more athletes on the opposing side than Penn State has seen this year. Uh, you know, p- Perhaps more than any game they'll see. We'll see what happens beyond the regular season, but there is not going to be a lot of room for error in any facet because you know the speed, the athleticism that Ohio State presents is going to match up what Penn State presents to the table we've seen them outclass their opponents in that regard so far not going to be the case on Saturday night yeah absolutely and and (laughs) I don't want to make it sound like these are the two worst defenses out there but (laughs) these are the two top scoring offenses in the country right now big plays I think are just going to be you know kind of all over the place on Saturday night I mean you've got the opportunity to push it downfield of course you know Miles Sanders has run well but at the same time you're going to look downfield try and get KJ Hamler to shake deep maybe get Brandon Polk deep Um, you know they, they try to push it down to downfield a couple times last week. Juwan Johnson, you're not sure what you're going to get in from him, but the certain there's certainly uh, chunks to be taken there, and whether that means you know 70 yard touchdowns or whatnot, um, it, it remains to be seen. But there's certainly chunks to be taken there, and I think Penn State and Ohio State can really take advantage of that, and, and, and we can see a lot of points. Both of these teams can score in a hurry. I think it'll be really interesting to see where the situation is late in the first half. Um, particularly given who's going to get the ball in the third quarter, but we've seen Penn State put together a 21-second drive at the end of the half against Kent State, which was a huge turning point for them. Ohio State can do the same thing. So I think that clock management towards the end, I'm going to be key. Uh, And I think ultimately, um, you talk about big play. I'm going to go back to Ricky Slade. To me, we haven't seen him catch a pass yet. 
Um, that was one of his strong suits as a recruit, his ability to, to be a receiver out of that backfield, even go out in the slot occasionally. I'm curious to see if they'll try to work that into the arsenal. Yeah, I think so. And on the other side, we talked about Paris Campbell already. He's a guy that can turn nothing into something in a hurry, get upfield and, and get going. Uh, it, it's an interesting combination because, you know, either side, if either side gets up, two, maybe three scores, which, you know, we don't really expect to happen. They got to keep their foot on the gas because the, the other team can, can score quick, can score in a hurry and, and can do some special things. So um, beyond that, I, I, I go back to the defenses uh, for my last point. The linebackers are probably going to make or break both sides. And, and we mentioned it earlier, Ohio State fans are not happy with their linebackers. Penn State fans are not happy with their linebackers. But I mean, something's got to give at that point. Yeah, and I think if, if either of those units can produce a play, whether it's an interception Hitting the quarterback and forcing a fumble, I mean, that may be all you need to hang your hat on as a linebacker group. You're going to have to play consistently, but at this point, there hasn't been any flash plays for Penn State, really, a linebacker. You know, you've seen Micah Parsons do some nice things. Cam Brown, both of them can chase guys down the field, but you're looking for stability, consistency, more than you're looking for game-changing momentum play. So I think if one of those can produce that kind of play, that, that could kind of change the complexion. Probably a lot of two linebacker sets on, on both sides of the ball yeah. as well. Yeah. I would love to see Micah Parsons go after the passer. I mean, he's he's been kind of... I wouldn't say he's been held back or anything like that, but we know what he can do when he goes after the passer because it's special, and we really haven't seen that too much. There, that's one of those things that, you know, it's not on film for four weeks, and there's plenty that's not on film for Ohio State. We still don't know what the line position is. Tommy Stevens might be ready to come back. There's a lot of unknowns. What we've seen from Penn State through the first four weeks isn't necessarily what you can expect to see out there uh, and Beaver Stadium on the field Saturday night. It, it could be uh, some really interesting wrinkles on both sides. What is it with my co-host promise? Tommy Steven. Andrew used to do that. This is the week. This is the week. Yeah. So anyway, this is the week for recruiting. Uh, I don't think there's any secret about that. Penn State, uh, we talked a lot about it uh, earlier in the week on the podcast. We're going to talk about it more. I have Steve Wilfong coming up here in a few minutes. But uh, the opportunity for Penn State this week is just insane. I mean, I've been doing this since 2006. This is easily the best visitor list that I've come across. I don't think it's particularly close close either. A uh, bunch of five-star guys. I don't have the latest counts off the top of my head, but a bunch of five-star guys, a bunch of priority targets. I mean, you're talking about seven or eight kids in the 2021 class with offers from Penn State, and Penn State's only offered 20 kids in the 2021 class. We're losing track of five-stars and high four-stars. Yeah. That's how impressive this list is. We're not losing them track on the list that's up online 24-7. He's done a great job maintaining that. Um, but I will tell you, uh, when you look across this uh, across this group, you just see impact players in every class. And, and we talked about this before. Don't get too caught up in, in the 2019 class needing to get commitments right now or on Sunday or on Monday, look at the bigger picture. Look at the long-term impact that you could create with the 2020 class, some of the best in the country on campus. And then, as you said, guys who are going to be elite members of the 2021 class also it's going to be for many of them their first in beaver stadium and uh just a huge opportunity for, for penn state obviously and um you know i got a piece coming up on lines 247 it should be up by the time this podcast is up uh, these guys are coming to recruit among the the committed players too i mean just because the coaches are on the field during the game it's not just their support staff and the recruiting coordinators in those stands uh the best connection they can have is their peers and these guys going to be ready to to get more elite players in the 2019 class yeah when you break down the schedule obviously you know penn state's coaches they have a game to coach that's what they want to pay attention to they don't want to you know they'll shake hands they'll say what's up they'll do all that kind of stuff the bulk of the work on saturday is going to be done by Andy frank's staff 
staff. Uh, Dan Cabala's in there. Justin King, Kenny Sanders, uh, Andrew Goodman, who's a former receiver at Penn State. Seth Reedy, Destiny Rodriguez, Caleb Taylor. You know, this, and a this, bunch of young grinders who are just trying to get in the industry. And a bunch of yeah. interns. You know, much <laughs> yeah. like yourself. Been back there. In yeah. The day. <laughs> we'll, we'll go to Rutgers story time some other time. Um, but uh, no, I mean these these guys are going to be out there. They're going to be the ones doing the hosting. They're going to be the ones trying to make the families feel at home. They're going to be the ones driving the go karts around the around the tailgates and stuff like that so it really comes down to to not just these guys but their peers and you mentioned that earlier it's it's a different dynamic that i i think a lot of people don't think about because you're you're leaning on the brandon smiths you're leaning on the devon fords the guys that have already discovered what they like about penn state enough to want to go there you got to sort of not impose that on somebody else but sort of uh, convey that message to someone else yeah and it's just it's just different hearing it from your peer someone who also is getting their phones blown up by college coaches across the country as someone who was also trying to make that trying to find their bridge to an NFL career in a lot of cases let's face it if you're a five-star recruit a four-star recruit probably want to get that payday down the road along with the degree but I think when you look you know having these conversations this week spoke with Devin Ford linebacker Brandon Smith Caden Wallace uh, offensive lineman uh, one name that continues to surface time and time again Zach Harrison who by the way as we've mentioned several times he attends high school less than 20 miles away from Ohio Stadium. So he'll be in the house watching his hometown team play a team that he is very much considering, and they'll be chirping in his ear. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting one to follow, and uh, I'm sure we'll ask Steve about it later, but Harrison's a very quiet guy, not a big fan of the process. And there's plenty of guys like that. Darnell Wright's going to be there this weekend. He doesn't care about the process either. But it, it's one of those things where you're not really sure what to you can glean from it, but just getting him back on campus is enough to say, hey, you're still in the mix. I think a lot of people, you know, have had him pegged to Ohio State, and I get it. And I certainly have been one of those people at, at times. But um, a lot of people are saying Ohio State or Michigan. Well, he's coming back to Penn State. He might very well get to Michigan. He might very well go to a couple games at Ohio State. But just getting him back, uh, his family very impressed by Penn State. Um, Harrison a little bit quieter, so I'm, I'm sure they're going to have somebody around him the entire time. It's just a huge opportunity. You don't want to call it a last ditch effort for Penn State or last gas thing but it, it really is I, mean, I don't i mean he's used the official visit back yeah. in the spring he's used all three of those official visits to ohio state and michigan is yeah. he like a, a young man who's going to want to encourage his parents or whoever's making the trip to get do it again at some point this season i don't see that maybe he gets up to michigan um but you know I, at this point i think you're right i mean this is your last in-person shot i think the fans are going to know this young man but you know who i think is going to be a great guy to pair with him is brandon smith i think brandon smith for being a five-star recruit you know one of the top linebackers in the country and at an early age getting a lot of attention he's kind of stayed under the radar from a personality standpoint he's done his best to kind of keep the noise at bay but he did say they want to seal the deal and that's the phrase he used seal the deal with zach harrison so they know this is you know the Texts are great. You know, those group texts are awesome, but there's nothing like getting the guy in the building and really trying to sell him on creating something special for the next four years. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about that in the podcast earlier this week is you're, you're trying to close the deal on guys in the 2019 class. You're trying to set up the 2020 class. So there, there's a bunch of guys set to be on campus, and these are repeat visitors. These are guys that have been up a few times. Chris Tyrese told us he was coming this week. Aaron Parks out of uh, uh, the D.C. area, big offensive line target for Penn State. Of course, Brian Brezzi. 
Um, and it's just it's, the list just goes Evan on. Pryor. Tw- he's only yep. twenty twenty one and his fourth trip to campus already. Well, I mean, his sister goes to Penn State. Oh, that's right. His sister. So he's, he's kind of familiar with Penn State. I think Steve Wiltfong has a, a, a crystal ball pick in for him. And uh, I'm sorry, Julian Fleming, that guy. You know that guy. Yeah, we talked about who's now again going to be three for three on getting the home games this year. And exactly. That's huge. Yeah, I mean, it, you just it's such a huge opportunity, and we could sit here and read names all day, and you can go to the site and check it out yourself as well. But I mean, it's just uh, the, the opportunity is there. You're, you're not going to completely lose the opportunity if you lose the game. I mean, you, you'd love to win the game for for many reasons, but you know, you keep uh, keep the atmosphere up as long as you can. I don't think Penn State's in danger of getting you know run out of the stadium or anything like that. So, I mean, it's a it's certainly a really good opportunity for them, and you know, it's just going to. We're going to lose a lot of sleep over the next couple of days covering these guys. And, you know, if Penn State is able to win this game uh, with those official visitors, they're going to be able to bask in that afterglow on Sunday into Monday morning. And just, I mean, that's going to be a huge impact. But at the same time, if they aren't able to come out with a win, I think it's important. Uh, I don't think Zach Harrison's showing up with a book bag with a Buckeyes hat, a Nittany Lions hat, and he's putting them on a table and he's watching the scoreboard to determine which one he's putting on at the end. It's not going to be an end-all, be-all, but it is going to go a long way. And obviously a win with these guys who are going to be around all weekend. I mean, it'd be nice to just keep pointing to the highlights and saying, hey, look, everyone's talking about Penn State in such a positive light. Yeah, and there's a lot of guys on this list that are considering both. And and like I said, uh, the head-to-head, I I think is overstated. People are going to think that that matters more than it does. But I mean, that you're talking about program directions. And two years ago, you know, Penn State was was much lower than Ohio State on the on the totem pole. They've closed that gap, and games like two years ago are a big reason why. So, I mean, it's just uh, it, it's a crazy situation. It's going to be there's going to be a lot of guys there. It's going to be very busy down there on the sidelines, and and and. You know, we're sort of sitting here and we, we know these guys and you know these kids, we know the staff and all that kind of stuff, but you're just not sure how that's going to play out. And that's probably the, the exciting thing here. It is. I mean, it's, it's that's why it's the best TV you can find. I mean, live sports and it's even better when you're there in person because it's unpredictable and, and, and these, these recruits don't know what they're walking into. I mean, we saw those pit recruits the other week and Ooh. that was like a, a wake after the game. Uh, you know, whereas if it goes the other way for Penn State, it's going to be a massive party and these guys are going to be front and center and they'll never forget this moment uh and and i do think you know in in terms of penn state recruiting you talk about perception being a big thing james franklin was 18 and 14 when they hit the field back for that whiteout in 2016 18 and 14 in his penn state career he's only lost three games since then and we all know by a combined seven points so perception does play a role and and i know you know one win over the grand scheme of things shouldn't determine what a player does and, and choosing the course of their life for the next phase. But let's face it, there's something to be said for cool factor in recruiting. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned that that, that pit post game that kind of knocked <laughs> me off my game. That was, oh, that was bad. I mean, well, I've been I've been in places where you know Penn State's blown some teams out, yeah. and it's been. You know, after the game, recruits are you know quieter, but they're still buzzing. Oh, that's not that was not pretty. Someday I'll tell you about the time uh, Rutgers lost to West Virginia in the rain by forty points with our biggest recruiting group of that year. Oof. Yeah. Oh well. Long live the Big East. <laughs> anyway, long live long live Steve Wiltfong. Steve is going to join us on the hotline now. Steve, you are, as always, the man. Thank you for joining us once again on the Lions twenty four seven podcast. I'm sure everybody on the site will be seeing plenty of you this weekend. Fitzy, I'm fired up for this game. It was the one that I was looking forward to the most in college football this year. And I'm damn glad both are undefeated coming into it. Um, and, and I'm fired up to see what the atmosphere is like and, and help help you guys at Lions 247 
bring some top-notch recruiting coverage from it. Yeah, you mentioned that atmosphere. I mean, the whiteout has sort of set itself apart. It's become one of the, the premier destinations for recruits in the country. You're a national guy. You're director of recruiting at 24-7 Sports. How, how does this one stack up against some of the other, the other games uh, across the country? Well, I tend to, tend to do a story a week on an atmosphere that's supposed to be really good. Um, I know I did Texas A&M Clemson, which was a huge win for A&M on the trail, although it was a, a tough loss. Really resonated. I did Oregon last week against Stanford. Kids there said it was the best atmosphere that they had been in. Um, I did Notre Dame week one against Michigan. I mean, I've done this for Penn State in the past, wideouts in the past, the whiteout last year. Uh, I would say that it's one of the elite game experiences nationally when you're talking about 110,000 plus. And, and did the Penn State Michigan game set the attendance record last year, if I remember correctly? Uh, it was close. I'm not sure. I don't remember if it exactly said it, but it, the bar was pretty high there. I know I've covered a Penn State game where it set the attendance record, whether it was the whiteout against Michigan last year or the whiteout against Ohio State two years ago. So they Penn State's like on my regular they're annual for me that I'm going to do a story on the atmosphere where I jump around for other schools. Um, so that in itself tells you that the in-game experience at Penn State is second to none from an environment and atmosphere standpoint, which is the same word, so I don't know why I said that twice. But uh, the, the way that the fans get into it and, and are synchronized and – and then obviously it goes hand-in-hand hand with the team playing well. Penn State's capitalized the last two times. They went all in on a home game, um, beating Michigan last year, beating Ohio State two years ago. Um, and, then, and that win over Ohio State was really just a program changer in itself because prior to that game, people – it's not like Coach Franklin was on the hot seat, but people still – people weren't like – people didn't know what they had yet. Um, they weren't they weren't in love, I guess. It was still more of a courtship type deal where it was like, I like him. You know, he did a good he did good things at Vandy, uh, did historic things at Vanderbilt. I think he can do it. I think he can do it. And then like after Ohio State, you're like, shit, he's doing it. You guys have been in the hunt for the playoffs the last two years and are a, a playoff contender this year. And, and the way that Penn State's recruited, I, I don't see that changing as you move forward if the quarterback position remains remains good uh, after Trace McSorley. So the, the environment on Saturday is going to be one of the elite ones in college football all year. And this year it's no different. An elite visitor list for Penn State, bringing in a bunch of five-star kids over the 2019, 2020, 2021 classes. We'll start with Zach Harrison. This is a guy that's uh, you know among the top prospects in the country um, in, in 24-7 sports rankings and, and really just a top prospect or a top target for Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. So big battle in the Big Ten. He told us uh, at 24-7 sports this week that he was planning on coming. We had talked about that a little bit earlier this week. But, I mean, to get him back on campus it, it, it's just that continued struggle between those three big 10 programs and i don't think it's a done deal to anybody yet it just goes to show you how interested he is in penn state to come back which is what we've been saying and and i know the 24 7 sports crystal ball is all ohio state for the number two ranked player in the top 247 player rankings 
but the insiders closest to it, the guys that have been reporting on Zach Harrison the longest, no one would be surprised if he went somewhere else. And, and uh, for me personally, I've said a couple times, I think if Penn State was in Columbus, Ohio, he'd already be committed to Penn State. So I think he really likes the people at Penn State. You got the distance. Is the, how big of a factor is the distance? Is that the is that the is that a, a negative for Penn State? Hell, I don't know. Your your guess is as good as mine with Zach Harrison and where he's ultimately going to end up. But I think Penn State has a great shot, and here's another opportunity for him to get around the guys in the class. A lot of Penn State's 2019 commits are going to be there, guys he's met uh, at various times through the process, whether it's on visits to Penn State, visits to other campuses, or competing in camps. Get around the coaching staff again, and then obviously be in an environment that. Uh, is going to be very pro Penn State. Yeah, I think you nailed it. You said your guess is as good as mine, and I think I've probably heard that about Zach Harrison more than any other prospect that we've covered. I mean, this, he stays low, he lays low. Penn State, I think, obviously, still in the mix talking to him, and 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 right there in that group, in that top group. But it's crazy. I mean, I don't know that you can really forecast, especially given where we're at in this timeline. Where you know, you said it. If 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 he was going to Ohio State, he'd probably be committed by now. Absolutely, and and I, I I would say that I expect them to go to other home games, but that even that is an educated guess. Well, uh, we know that uh, not only one of the top prospects in 2019 will be here, that the top prospect in 2020, Brian Brze, um, out of Maryland, Penn State. You've got your crystal ball in for Penn State. You obviously like where they stand, but this is another opportunity to get a, a premier guy back on campus like him. And he's been numerous times, including numerous times in the last six months, number one player in the country in the 24-7 sports composite and top 247 player rankings. Spoke, I've spoke with him a bunch and spoke with his family a bunch, and I just got the sense this summer that Penn State and Georgia – had done the most early, but this is going to be a long recruitment. There's going to be ebbs and flows. Ohio State's certainly very much in the mix. He visited Ohio State last weekend. There's several. He released a top 10 or whatever it was. Um, I forget. Uh, but I think Penn State near the top, Ohio State near the top, Georgia near the top, Alabama near the top. And, uh, We'll see how it ebbs and flows, but another chance. Penn State certainly got the proximity deal working for them, uh, and, and they're not going to drop the ball recruiting them. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, and this is sort of shifting gears to a bigger picture thing. You mentioned a couple schools in there, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. Penn State's sort of creeping up. I mean, I know that's the upper echelon when you're talking about recruiting, when you're talking about the, the top dogs in recruiting, but how close is Penn State? And I know they're not there yet, but how close is Penn State to, to closing that gap? Well, I think that Penn State has proven that they can win some of those recruiting battles uh, as uh, they finished with a top five class last year with, with guys that had offers from all their programs. And, and uh, you look at Penn State's class right now, they have guys with with, with offers to, to some of those programs as well. Uh, but for Penn State, they still their recruiting is still going to be – it's still at this point a geographically based deal. The DMV is huge. Jersey's huge. Obviously in state. And then you pick and choose your spots elsewhere. You make sure you land most of your top targets. You make sure your top targets are good, which is easier said than done. And then you develop them. 
And again, everything I just said is easy to say, but it's not easy to do. It's not easy to have a good eye for talent. It's not good, easy to develop your players' strength and conditioning, and it's not easy to line them up in a scheme that um, um, displays their skill set in a positive fashion and, and then obviously mentally have them ready to play every week. All that stuff's hard. Uh, I think Penn State has proven that they're well-oiled in all of those um facets and from a recruiting standpoint getting brandon smith who was a coveted target by ohio state uh kaden wallace who was a, a coveted offensive line recruit lance dixon could have went to michigan or or ohio state um and and, and so um they can go toe-to-toe in their backyard with with and 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 win um and win win frequently but they're still it's still not going to be they're still not on that level where they go into Louisiana and beat an SEC program uh, for for pro, or excuse me I should just use Georgia as a better example. Ohio State's had a lot of success in Georgia. I don't think Penn State's on that level out of region yet. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And you mentioned the DMV, so important. Penn State, of course, a ton of big-time targets there in 2020 with the St. John's kids, Mikhail Sherman, Rakim Jarrett, some of those guys, Antoine Sampa, five-star linebacker visiting this weekend, Brezzi, who we talked about a little bit earlier. But, yeah, I mean, it, you start at home, and a, and a couple of guys they've really focused on, and a couple of guys that you put some crystal ball picks in for Penn State, one recently and one a long time ago are slated to visit this weekend, Julian Fleming, Michael Carmody, a couple of Pennsylvania kids, and obviously some some big time targets for Penn State in the next cycle. Look, Fleming's been to as many home games this year as you have, so that's a good sign for Penn State, in my opinion. Um, and that was a smooth trans- transition from Coach Gaddis to Coach Corley. I think Alabama's probably the biggest threat to Penn State because of that relationship with Coach Gaddis, um, and then. The kid from Mars area, Carmody, um, just talking to him after his Penn State visit a couple weeks ago. I mean, hell, he was still in the parking lot tailgating when I was on the phone with them. So they love, they seem to love Penn State. Yes, yeah, definitely a good sign there. Go back to 2019 for a second. Obviously, you're out in Indiana. You've got the pulse uh, in the Midwest. David Bell visiting Penn State this weekend on an official visit. He's a big-time target for Penn State, one of the most talented, if not the most talented, skill player out that way. I mean, uh, you got to think that, that Penn State, and your crystal ball's on them right now, but Penn State, an opportunity to sort of solidify their standing this weekend. It's going to be David Bell's third visit uh, going back to um, – he went to Lash Bash, and before that he was at a big junior day. This will be his mom's second visit. I think Penn State has set the bar for David Bell, um, and, and so I, I expect that to remain true. Coming out of the visit, um, Bell's having an exceptional senior year, 34 receptions for almost 700 yards and, and 10 touchdowns for the number one team in the state of Indiana, he's been dynamic after the catch. An awesome multi-sport athlete who led the basketball team to an undefeated state championship year before. Um, Mom's very important in this recruitment. Penn State did a good job with Mom at Lash Bash, and it'll be key to make her feel very at home this weekend as well as David. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and there's opportunities all over the place. Talk a little bit more about the, the official visitors. Of course, Adisa Isaac, a big-time target for Penn State. Brenton Strange, a big target for Penn State. Some out-of-region guys coming in as well. And you've got some unofficials coming in like Ja'Kai Moore, Darnell Wright. I talked to Brian Doan a little bit about earlier on the, fir- the first podcast of the week. Ben Smiley. I mean, it's just a, a big group. And, you know, you, you can't spend all the time in the world with these guys because you've got a game to play, obviously. But but Andy Frank and his staff are, are sort of pinning down these 2019 guys, and, and it's really their their last opportunity. You know, if any of these guys want to take official visits later in the process, it's really their their last opportunity to show what they've got. So, be really interesting to see how that uh, unfolds in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you've got uh, guys coming in. I, I know a guy that you really like, Chris Tyree, running back out of Virginia. He's planning on being there. He's certainly um, you know, a different dynamic than the running backs Penn State's going after in 2020, guys like J- Jalen Berger, Marshawn Lloyd. So it, it, it's just an opportunity for some of these guys, these top echelon guys, the 2019 guys you, you sell now, 2020 you sell the atmosphere and, and leave a lasting impression. So is there anybody that jumps out to you on that list? Um, you know, we've, we've got an extensive list at lines247.com that you should definitely check out. But anybody that jumps out to you on that list in terms of, hey, Penn State, they may have a shot here. Well, look, it, the night game also helps with interaction with recruits depending on what time they get to campus because it's still, you know, these guys will then get to be part of the, the pregame buildup and, you know, Franklin and, and, and company will be able to small talk here, small talk there um, and, and make these guys feel at home at Penn State. I'll just – I pulled up your list, which is um, overwhelming. Um, really but Isaac is the crystal ball I feel the most confident on regarding Penn State this weekend. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. Yeah, so uh, top two four seven defensive end out of New York again. That's a he's a national recruit in an area where Penn State is posted up. So he's a guy that could pretty much play anywhere. Those are the recruiting battles Penn State has to win to consistently compete for a national championship his upside um as a pass rusher uh really like penn state there brent strange this is a a penn state ohio state recruiting battle so uh getting brenton back to campus my crystal ball is on penn state um i like the pick but certainly not ruling out the buckeyes for for brenton strange um as i scroll through rodis johnson's an interesting one out of columbus st francis to sales i at one point had him crystal ball to penn state and then, like you, wasn't sure where he fit in as Penn State started landing a bunch of commits. Um, but uh, sounds like he's a guy that they would love to have in their class. My crystal ball is on Wisconsin. Wouldn't be surprised if I'm riding with the Nittany Lions at some point by the end of the weekend. I think a couple of the interesting visitors for me this weekend – and I say I talked to Darnell Wright this week. He's never been to Penn State before, which kind of surprised me. Um, I did not know that. Uh, so this will be his first time. Penn State. Um, I also talked to his head coach. Sounds like they have a shot to get one of his five officials. They're definitely playing from behind. Alabama and Tennessee, the clear leaders for for Darnell Wright. But Penn State, they'll get in there and take their swing, and we'll see what happens. But two of the guys that are interesting to me, Andre White. Is a young man that uh, you have you had reported. It's on the list as a guy that everyone had crystal ball to Penn State when he committed to the Aggies um, in April. So um, 
Is he a flip candidate, Sean? I mean, I think you do the math. He's an hour and a half down the road. I mean, you can say that you're just going to check out the game and things, but when you're committed to a program in Texas and you live in Pennsylvania and you're going to the whiteout, I mean, let's let's do some mental math here and wonder what the, what the odds are that, that he's just going to take in the atmosphere, and, and, and they're not good. Exactly. Uh, ben Smiley's the one that I could easily see in Penn State's class uh, if they push. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Smiley's been a guy that he came up for the last bash, and obviously he looked like he was on the verge of committing to Virginia a couple of times and backed off of those both times. And so I think it's sort of wide open. And and you mentioned Smiley and Rodas Johnson, some of these guys – you know, they're all in that same sort of tier for Penn State, I think, where, you know, you're wondering how hard they're pushing at the same time Jared Harrison Hunt's still out there. And um, it's just there's so many ways that this class could close out. And I think that's what's going to make this fascinating is Penn State's going to get their guys, whether or not it's these guys on this list. I mean, it's it's so hard to say because, you know, there's still positions up for grabs. Penn State's still looking at, at running backs. Penn State's still looking at wide receivers. Offensive line, always a priority. Defensive line, a huge priority right now. Do you add another linebacker to Brandon Smith and Lance Dixon? I mean, it's just there's so many questions out there, and uh, you won't get answers within the next week or two. And I know people want answers now, but you won't get answers in the next week or two. But that that lead up until signing day, Penn State has kept enough guys on their radar and kept them warm enough where they want to visit and they want to check things out and they want to potentially take official visits before signing day in December or possibly in February. That it, you know, it's going to be a fun finish. Ja'Kai Moore is one that we both have crystal ball to Penn State and talking to a source around the Nittany Lions program. I think they still feel good about it, but there is some wary as what's taken so long, you know. And so I took that as the longer it goes, maybe the better it is for South Carolina. Um, obviously some really good 2020s. We talked about Braze. We talked about Fleming. You know, we talked about Carmody, Chris Braswell the number one weak side defensive end in the country from Baltimore, St. Francis is a guy you have on the list. Be interested to see what kind of effect this weekend has on him. He's, he's another elite, highly ranked talent coming in 2021. I have a couple kids, crystal ball to Penn state, um, the running back, Evan Pryor from Cornelius, North Carolina, who's been to Penn state a lot. His sister goes to school at Penn state. Found that out this week. And then Landon Tangwall, is a blue chip offensive tackle from our lady good counsel over there in only Maryland Penn state is, was one of his early offers. And, and uh, I think they've set the tone with Landon Tangwall, who's got offers from coast to coast already. Yeah. There's a lot of talent in that 2021 list, including five-star Jack Sawyer out of Ohio. Uh, you know, it's going to be a tough task to, to beat the Buckeyes on that one, but still you're getting these kids out. You, you've got a bunch of kids that you've already offered two cycles away. I mean, if your evaluations are, are good and your evaluations hold up, that's a, that's a good uh, table to set for those guys. Sean, I just know that I'm going to try and go to bed early tonight because there's not going to be much sleep to be had um, the next couple nights as we gear up to cover this weekend. Well, we're counting on you, and I know you're going to be a, a regular over at Lions 24-7 on the board. You always are, and you are the guy that people follow for the crystal balls. It's Steve Wiltfong, 24-7 Sports Director of Recruiting, of course, at swiltfong247 on Twitter, which if you're listening to this and you don't follow him by now, I, I don't know what to tell you. But, Steve, thank you for joining us. Always love your insight, and we'll have you back on soon. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, Sean. Talk to you later, brother. So sorry to cut you out of that interview. 
Entirely. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I was sitting in traffic in State College, but man, I'm jealous you got to speak with Steve, one of my favorite guys to speak with the, the last few years on the recruiting uh, trail and uh, always great insight. Yeah, he's a man. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been crazy to recap. We're uh, you know pushing an hour here, so not going to keep you too much longer. Big game on Saturday. Uh, do we, do we want to do predictions? Do you want to do a prediction? Not really, but what do you got? I'm going with 40 to 35 Penn State. Um, could see both teams ending up in the 40s. To me, again, I, I don't see Penn State falling behind in this game. I don't see Ohio State falling behind. So it comes down to what happens in these final five minutes of the game. Both teams can score so quickly. And I just got to give the benefit of the doubt to Trace McSorley. I think both these offenses will have their way. Again, one major defensive play from these linebackers on either side could tip the scales. But uh, I'm going to go with Penn State beating Ohio State again in the White House situation. Uh, but it's not going to be an easy one. It's going to be another one that keeps everyone wondering down to the wire. They're going to like you so much better than me. Um, I, I've seen so much of Penn State this year. It might just be a bad thing. You know, just uh, looking at that defense and the holes that are in it and you know admittedly I might be on the other side if I was watching Ohio State every game but there's there's holes there the second level of that defense you're not sure if they can hold up and and Ohio State's got big play capability as you said I've got a close game I've got a lot of points I've got Ohio State 41 Penn State 37 I know you hate me Um, but uh, it's one of those things where you know you're not sure that they've taken the steps that they've needed over the first month of the season to get where they're at to beat Ohio State and you can beat a lot of teams on the schedule the way that Penn State has played but if you go into that lull in the first half like they have and you get into a hole you know Penn State can put up points and they can do it quickly but if you get into that into that hole against Ohio State Ohio State will make you pay whereas Illinois did not Pitt did not um, so I think it's a, a, a situation that's that's tough for Penn State I certainly think they can win I absolutely know that especially with Trace McSorley and I don't think I've ever bet against Trace McSorley and I'll probably regret it at some point but um, he's uh, he, he's a gamer he's a baller and I'm excited to see what he can do in this atmosphere because this is this is the rubber match he's one to one against Ohio State and you know he wants to finish his career with a winning record. I'm just like you because I certainly could see Ohio State winning, and it was tough for me tossing this around. And the biggest thing they wrap my head around, Sean, if Penn State does pull off the win, Urban Meyer will have lost four Big Ten games in his eight years uh, or seven years, I'm sorry, at Ohio State. That means half of them would be against James Franklin. That's hard to wrap my head around in making this pick. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm going to go with it, 40 to 35. And if I'm right, uh, yeah, um, I'm going to be the favorite guy here. <laughs> I think you're already the favorite guy here. He's Tyler Donahue. I'm Sean Fitz. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back next week to recap the game, recap some of the recruiting happenings and whatnot. We are on iTunes. We are on Spotify, etc. Thank you for joining us on this extra long, hopefully extra early edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. And we'll catch you after the whiteout. I have no fear that they might.